episode uh, our first episode down and uh, that w- that was a pretty concise uh, explanation of who you are or where you've come from your your uh, historical background as far as law enforcement's concerned and uh, you know I guess most importantly the uh, the eyewitness excite eyewitness uh, encounter that you had that kind of put you on the trail of doing what it is you do tonight we're going to get into the the particulars of what you do and what makes you such a valuable resource when we're talking about this subject. So Val, why don't you tell the the listeners real quick what uh, what it is you do? Well, Eric, I've said this many many times before. Um, I'm not a Bigfoot researcher. I'm not a uh, in in the casual sense. I'm not a Bigfoot expert. And I, I'll be the first one to, to say that what I am and what makes me unique uh, in this area is I am a data miner, meaning some people mine for precious gems and precious metals. And me, I mine, I mine for information and data. And when I was led into this area of Bigfootery, uh, this all took place as a matter of tragic happenstance. Uh, I was led into it, uh, as I mentioned in the first ep- episode, um, in my search for a uh, missing person. And mm-hmm. the things that I ran into in that search, in that 21-month search, led me to come back when, when, when the issue was resolved come back and revisit this this thing that people talk about uh, called uh, Bigfoot and Sasquatch. So from that point on, in the past um, nine years, I created uh, four databases, four databases that uh, are made up of... Um, data points, specific data points. And uh, from that point on, when I, when I take a Bigfoot report, I read it, I analyze it, I break it down into, into small bites, 
and place it in the uh, in the uh, data point that's most fitting for that particular uh, incident. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, I've got a I've got the largest Michigan Bigfoot database in the state. I'm convinced of it, with over 1,745 reports going back all the way to the 1700s, all the way to uh, our present date, 2021. That's a lot of reports. That is. Can can I interrupt you just real quick? Is on that point, how many recent reports? Let's say from uh, say 2020 through through now. So you know, basically 18, 19 months, 20 months worth of uh, of reports in the state of Michigan. How many are we looking at that you've been uh, privy to? That's a very good question. Uh, last night I was just looking at this. And for some reason, I thought maybe I would have a question like that. So, for instance, <laughs> from my my most recent report that I added to this Michigan database, Eric, was August 21 or August 19th, 4.30 p. 4.30 p.m. from Jackson County, Grace, uh, Grass Lake area. And um, from that point down to January 2020, I have in this database, uh, there isn't anything for January 2020, but the, but the next, uh, next point I'm looking at is March 2020, and that was from Manistee. So from mm-hmm. March 2020, Manistee County to Today's uh, this week, which would be uh, August August nineteenth, uh, there are exactly ninety two reports. No kidding. Ninety two reports, my friend. That's a lot. I mean, that's that's more than than some states have. Yeah. Now. With your with the information with your database, can you quickly tell me out of those ninety two reports in that in that amount of time uh, the the number of reports that are similar to like things that I've experienced, which seem to be peripheral uh, versus actual eyes on sighting? Well, I I, I don't have that. I'm, I'm looking at the database right now as 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 I'm speaking mm-hmm. to you, and uh, what I do is I have a summary for each entry, and I'm just going to go up the list and just read them off very quickly, very, very fast, and just give you an idea as to what, as to what is being reported. Okay. And so uh, let's see here. We said March 2020. From March 2020, this is what, this is what we have. Resident outside smoking on the on the porch, 1.30 a.m., says uh, 10 rocks at his tree near him until he went back inside. And I know from that from that individual who, who offered that report, he has he has a number of uh, reports. And this is in Michigan. Uh, Leslie, Michigan is where that came from. Uh, he's got actual sightings and um He's got some pretty good reports that he sent over 
you know, a period of a couple months. The, mm-hmm. the next one is a motorist uh, driving with a sun pointed on a tree structure and a seven to nine foot black Bigfoot with gray skin and dark eyes was spotted. This is just driving. This is a motorist driving with the sun. The next one is a hiker reported uh, stick formations with six-inch foot impressions. That's, in other words, the stick formations and a uh, track, a six-inch foot uh, track. Probably a baby. It's almost likely a a juvenile. Another one, a motorist passing nearby uh, cemetery. Here's a girl likes uh, screams turns and sees a large eight to nine foot black creature in the woods doing something that's kind of creepy yeah, but is. let me just say this uh cemeteries are big big uh attraction points for for sasquatch yeah you know you're you're killing me here because this was going to be one of my uh, points that i wanted you to to mm-hmm. go over um what what is so unusual or uh that's not the right word what is so um uh, compelling or what's so what attracts uh, them uh, appealing yeah. to to accounts well, that are seen around graveyards I, you know i'm not i'm not for certain but i i have some ideas and i've put this out several times on my group site uh, eric so when it comes to cemeteries uh i watched coyotes i watched videos of wild coyotes who have a very good sensory perception they can smell things. Uh, it, I'm, I'm told that bears can smell uh, uh, game and, and uh, uh, carcasses five miles away. They have a very good, a very sharp nose, a sense to them. Mm-hmm. Um, from everything that I've gathered, from everything that I've read and studied, the Sasquatches also have a very sharp, very keen sense of smell. And I know this because I've got several reports of Sasquatch by hunters uh, specifically who are out there in the woods who are in the best position to to be up in uh, um, blinds and um, to see this up in trees to watch. Sasquatches, when they see Sasquatches out in the area, Sasquatches can be... 60 feet away, 100 feet away, and they can watch the, the Sasquatch, even through scopes, tilt their head upwards, sniff the air, and look directly to the hunter who is, who is 100 feet or, or more away from them, look them dead straight in the eyes just by, by smell alone and scent. Yeah. That's got to tell you Isn't something. Isn't that incredible? I've got reports of, of Sasquatch. Um, and, and, and campers being pissed off because, you know, some, some men are a little, a little jealous about their women and I don't blame them, but when Sasquatch, uh, goes out into their camp area and sniffs the air where their wife was at or their girlfriend was at, mm-hmm. maybe she went to the bathroom or something, but the Sasquatch is there sniffing the air, sniffing, you know, whatever was left there. It pisses the people, it pisses the men off. Yeah. So... The court. I'm I'm kind of glad you I'm kind of glad you brought that that specific thing up because uh, an episode back um, I had a woman who uh, she had she had a very brief very intense uh, non sighting mm-hmm. 
um, encounter. And for some reason, and, and I've, I was, I tried to ask this delicately. I asked her if there was any way that she would know if during that time, if she was on her period or not. And she was able to actually go back. And the first day that she was there was the last day of her period. Mm-hmm. And that made me think, are they being attracted by a, an odor or a scent that's given off by the female body when they're going through that process? Well, well, it's, it's not a specific data point that I use, but I'm, I'm very, very familiar with that. And there are instances of, and I might even have some uh, to share with you, but there are some inst- inst- uh, instances of um, a lot of well-versed uh, people in big footery advise people do not use do not use um, uh, sanitary napkins as as a means of baiting these things. Don't do that. Yeah. And there and there's there's another um, area of the uh, Bigfoot community that, that tell women, you know, really don't go out in the woods by yourself. If you're, if it's that time of the month, if, if it's that cycle period, don't do that because, uh, it causes, uh, it causes unpredictable reactions, uh, with these, with these animals, you know, they get worked up into a frenzy and, and, um, it's not cool. It's, it's just something that you don't want to do. And if you're out there with a woman and you have to have relations and stuff, it's not cool to be walking around because that odor is, is a scent. It's a, it's a big yeah. attraction to, to a lot of uh, predator animals and stuff. So uh, back to the cemetery, my thoughts on this is, is that, um, they can smell uh, rotting flesh. Uh, you know, today's modern uh, health uh, department requirements and laws and stuff are different than they used to be uh, at the turn of the century. There's a couple anecdotal things that I would add to this to buttress my my point is number one. There's there's a report that dates back to the Civil War period. Uh, someplace in Kentucky or I want to say Tennessee, but you got to understand, you know, I've go through hundreds of thousands of reports. I can't, I can't, uh, I'm, it's, I'm, it's not physically possible for me to remember <laughs> everything verbatim. What's the matter, Val? You don't have an idyllic memory? <laughs> no, no, but, but I do pretty well. Um, but I remember this, this report because, because I like history I like I like uh, his, historical fact, but in this particular case, Eric, to the interest of your audience, uh, this is a mom and dad, a family, very good family, who uh, were in grief over the over the injury, serious injury of their their son, who came back from the war injured, and a short time period later, uh, this individual passed. So they, they wanted to bury this, this individual on the, on the hill next to their property, and they did so. And uh, the report 
that was made about this was that this family had been bothered by a, a Sasquatch for, for quite some time. They, they were familiar with this. It wasn't like it was a stranger or a, an oddity that occurred. The Sasquatch went right over there and dug up the, um, the remains, the human remains of this individual. And for that reason, the family, particularly the father and, and his, his neighbors, went out to hunt this, this creature down to kill it. But in, in hunting for this thing, they found that they had uh, a, a windstorm or some type of severe storm around their area, and a large tree fell and, and killed it. So that they didn't have to. They didn't have to shoot it. Nature took care of it by itself. Mm-hmm. the The point to this is that the creature was fascinated, smelled and detected the human remains, the rotting human remains, and dug it up. And uh, another point to to add to this this idea of Sasquatch in cemeteries. There's another report, a more recent report, that came out of, I want to say, Georgia. And in the back swamp area of Georgia, uh, I think Georgia is home to Fort Benning, Fort Benning, I believe you're large right, yeah. military yeah. base. The story goes, <clears throat> and by the way, BFRO took this report. Uh, the story goes, uh, <clears throat> these soldiers were on a uh, train mission. <clears throat> the chopper that they were riding on crashed in the in this in the deep swamp. A reactionary force was gathered when they when they realized that the chopper went down. A reactionary force was was uh, mustered. <clears throat> they were sent out to locate the crash site and secure it before the police arrived, because there was some type of <clears throat> special equipment or something on that on that craft with those soldiers on that training mission that uh, was not for public eyes to see. So, you know, that's left up to imagination. The story is, the bigger story is, that uh, these guys, these soldiers were went out there in the middle of the night through the, uh, the deep swamp, the thick deep swamp, found the, uh, the burning uh, remains to this chopper. And, of course, all the soldiers aboard perished in that, in that crash, that unfortunate crash. But one of the soldiers, and these might have been military police soldiers, uh, I'm not for sure, but one of these soldiers in that group reported this and said that upon... Uh, approaching that, those burning uh, debris, they heard pounding noises, pounding and, and scraping metal noises. But they they could see the uh, the flames uh, in a distance, and as they approached closer, I think they seen uh, three Sasquatches pulling the uh, scrap metal out, pulling it out, and pulling some of the. Uh, the uh, remains of the human remains out. And when they went up there, I think they fired off some rounds or something at these creatures to, to do, uh, disperse them. And uh, 
as the story goes, a, uh, a professional uh, group out of Texas was dispatched. And these guys are the no-business guys. They were heading out to that area, that crash site scene. And um, somehow, coincidentally, and I don't believe in coincidences, um, the soldier that, that reported this immediately recanted the story. And um, No, they got to yep. it. And so this is what I'm talking about. So when we talk about cemeteries and stuff, I think about these things, and I think about the odor. And if you ever smelled a uh, deceased person, a decayed deceased person, you'll never forget it. Fortunately, you know? I have not. No, it's it's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, I can tell you from experience, uh, <clears throat> it's it's weathering. <clears throat> it's weathering. So, so what do we take away from that? Do we take away? that they are an opportunistic uh, um, opportunistic in in the way that they're going about trying to find food, or do they typically look at us as an acquirable food source? I think I think uh, myself personally, from what I've read, from what I see, I think uh, you're right on both counts. Wrote it right on both accounts. Uh, they're oppor- opportunistic. Uh, okay. If they're hungry, um, you don't want to be around them. And um, you know. now, as a side as a side note, mm-hmm. that, I'm, we're going to go down a little branch here, and then we're going to we're going to get mm-hmm. back. Um, I had a I had a occasion to speak with a uh, BFRO. Um, uh, field agent, mm-hmm. what's called, and and, and, and I, yeah, uh, well, I, I don't know that there's really any experts, but <laughs> okay, we'll call them that. Um, and and my my question to him was the uh, whether there's any truth to the matter that so many people claim that reports are sanitized by the BFRO before they are put into their database. And and he admitted to me that, yes, they were. And then he expounded on that by saying, you will never read a violent account in the BFRO because, and air quotes were, were used, um, they don't want people to begin to go out with the intent of, of hunting these things down because it's not going to end well for the hunters. <laughs> um, with, with the experience that you have and, and the variety of researchers and, and so-called experts and, and people from these uh, multi-lettered organizations that you run into, do you do you find that that's a, a pretty fair statement that that they are sanitized reports and that there are more vicious and more violent accounts that that we don't really hear a lot about? Well, first of all, I gotta commend you, Eric, because you know that's that's a pretty hard that's a pretty hardcore question to ask somebody like that from BFRO because. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I'm surprised that you got a frank response. Uh, I was too, to be honest. <laughs> um, but yes, I, I agree with them. And I've said this many, many times before. As far as BFR goes, BFR, uh, BFRO goes, in my opinion, um, they, do, they do a good job. I mean, think of it. They're the largest clearinghouse recognizable by everyone across the world for what they do. But um, I know as I know as well as the next person, uh, you know, reading the statements and reading the uh, mission statements and and the Q and A answers and stuff. Uh, Nah, it's 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 uh, it's sanitized. It's cleaned up. No, they're not going to put stuff on there that's going to raise the hair on the back of your neck. But um, um, I've got I've I've got a few friends in BFRO that I can talk to. That they talk to me and personally and privately. And there's there's some more BFRO people that absolutely dislike me because um, they demand to know where I get my information and demand to know or demand that, that I show them what I got. And I have to remind them, you know, when I retired, I retired out of all the directives, you know, the, the, the notices to, to be in court, um, all the, the uh, direct uh, notices uh, demanding that I, you will and you shall and and you will do this and you will. I don't do that. You basically don't have to no, answer to I anybody. Don't. I don't, and it's a very lonely uh, path to take sometimes because, um, you know, I, I don't I don't listen to BFRO. They don't tell me what to do, and I don't I don't ask them. Uh, mm-hmm. I I do what I do and and let the uh, let the uh, the listeners uh, make up their own mind. So, uh, you know, I don't like that business. I, you know, I don't like it. I don't like it. Val, have you ever have you ever been approached to um, to stop doing what you're doing? I mean, you're you're not a a high high visibly uh, a high visible public figure. It's not like you're on a TV show or. Um, you know, doing this on, on travel channel or something like that, but you have a pretty sizable group on Facebook and you know, you, you make no bones about making sure trolls are, are understanding that if they come into your, into your house, they're going to get booted out, which I think is fantastic. More sites need to do that. If you don't have an interest or all you want to do is make fun of something, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, do it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, have you ever been approached and and tried to uh, be made to uh, back down or back off of no what no. you do no but are you surprised are you surprised by that or no uh, no I'm not surprised by that but um, uh, you know at some point I suppose I'll I'll um, I'll, I'll reach a a point where um. I might say, well, it's time for me to to wrap this up. I, I mean, I don't know, mm-hmm. but right now, if if 
I can. But right now, if you were to do that, it would be do, you would be doing it under your own volition. Yeah. It wouldn't be because yeah. you were being forced yeah. down. Um, I, I can tell you, there's a lot of people that that um, aren't happy with what I do. They're not. But um, um, I, you know, I don't know, Eric. It's it's a it's a tough thing, and and you know what I see across the uh, Bigfoot community, uh, there is a uh, proliferation of um, trolls and, and shills. To me, it, it looks like it looks like an organized effort to shut this down. And I can tell you this, and I won't be the first one to say this, that a lot of stuff that you see on the Internet is going away. So um, it's, it's like a concerted effort somebody with money and, and uh, power would rather the public not know anything about this. And uh, slowly but surely, you talk about sanitize. Yeah, a lot of this stuff is disappearing. It is. And it goes. If it's not, if, if there's no effort to, to uh, keep this, then it just disappears. And... Uh, you know, it's up to the it's up to the viewers to to want to know and and uh, allow their curiosity to take them to to these areas and stuff. Um, well, and it's uh, and it's up to the listeners to continue to, you know, when they hear a program like this and they find your your uh, data points of interest. You know, they need to, they need to tell their friends that are interested in this as well. You know, Hey, check out this, Hey, check out that, you know, the more people that start digging into this stuff and, and seeing that it's there and then trying to go back six months later and finding that, what the hell is that video? I can't find that video anymore. What what happened to it? It got taken down. Yeah. You know, well, let's get back to some of these interesting data points. There's a couple that I'd like you to cover for me, uh, because they're of personal interest to me. Um, Let's talk about trophies and trees. Okay. Um, in my episode two and three, um, the the daughter and the father indicated that they found uh, what was left of a carcass of a deer uh, upwards of 20 feet up in the tree. And, you know, that, that's an odd place for, for parts of a deer to, to wind up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've noticed uh, not too awful long ago, within the last week, maybe on your uh, on your on your page, there were a number of pictures of coyotes that were stuck in the forks of trees and uh, deer's uh, deer being uh, laid to rest at the at the top of a broken tree trunk and and stuff like that. So, how how prevalent is that in your database? And, and what do you, what do you, what do we make of that? Is that a warning? Is that a, Hey, I'm going to put this here until uh, I have time to come back and get it. Is it, you know, what, what are we, what are we thinking that that, that is all a part I, of? I look at this again with the, with the jaundice eye of a gumshoe. Is this something that dropped out of the sky? Is it something that uh, was was picked up by a helicopter and dropped in the trees, um, or or do Sasquatch do this kind of stuff? And I know I know that Sasquatch cache their food. Uh, 
they cash food like we we pack stuff away in our freezer for our families. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I also know, with the benefit of a database, I know that Sasquatch steals a lot of things, and especially food. What do I call food? I call deer food. And hunters will tell you, if you talk to enough of them, and if you if you you analyze the data, you'll notice that a lot of hunters report, oh, yeah, well, I was out hunting, I shot my deer, um, I give it the 20 minutes, the standard 20 minutes to, to, to die, and then I go out there to pick up my deer and it's gone. There might be a blood trail. I might see some uh, large human-like footprints out there, but my deer is gone. And so what we see in the trees, as you mentioned, uh, the, the Sasquatch might eat the food right there and just leave the bones and the fur, or he would take the, uh, the entire carcass and put it up in a tree, and I'll come, you know, he'll come back later and get it, two or three of them. And, um, and that's the way they do. They'll, they'll take the deer. It doesn't necessarily mean that they'll eat the deer right there. But they'll uh, they'll take two or three or six and uh, bury them. Sometimes, sometimes they put them up in the tree. Whatever whatever opportunity they have, they're going to do that, and they'll be back to pick it up. And so, when you mention the trophies in the trees, I say the the animals that we find in the tree, and, and, and it's not only animals, Eric. It's a lot of different things. It's Sasquatch mm-hmm. and Bigfoot Tires. steal. They steal property. Yeah. They steal anything that's not nailed down that they find curious or interesting. doesn't necessarily have to be animals. Um, but what I, what I ask the viewers to do, the members to do, is, is to consider this point, and that is something has a strong penchant for hanging things in trees like ornaments and trophies, similar to plant and uh, geometrical motives, motifs. It's a transition point. And so what I see is uh, what I see in these, in these trees, such as the deer that you mentioned, the coyote, even a bear, or sometimes pigs, even cows and horses, dogs, uh, these are themes, these are symbolic themes <clears throat> that are used to identify who did this. And much like serial killers and, and criminals do, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a means, it's a mode of, of telling, telling people who did this. It's a calling. You're saying it's a calling. Oh, yes, it is. <clears throat> it's, it's, uh, it's like those professional... Uh, business cards that you see left on the doorsteps and the doorknobs, or like or like the death cards that uh, U.S. military yeah. used to drop in in Vietnam oh, yeah, on the on the casualties. I did this, and I'm here, and, but I'll be back. Um, and that's for human beings, you know, to interpret. And if we don't, then you know, you deal with them. You deal with an angry uh, beast. You, you mess around with their with their you know their business, and uh, you get the business end. 
but uh, nothing is a coincidence when I look at this stuff. And in a lot of this stuff, I've heard people say, well, they can't explain it. They can't grasp it. So they say, well, the tornado dropped this animal in the tree. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the problem with, with the tornado theory. When I look at a picture <clears throat> in the woods, <clears throat> if there was a tornado in the area, Eric, I, I fully ex- expect to see devastation all around right i see i want to see trees knocked down i want to see trees splintered and uprooted so you know the the tornado aspect of, of their their thinking doesn't work with this and another thing that that commonly comes up when when i approach this topic is is uh panthers well you know you know, I seen National Geographic, and I and you know I used to watch those those shows on uh, on YouTube. Yeah, in Africa, you see you see that, but we're not in Africa. We're in the Great Lakes here, for goodness sakes. And um, I know that uh, big cats such as cougars, they will drag their their prey off into the bushes or something and devour it. Uh, that doesn't mean that they don't take them up to the trees, but you know I, I'm looking at Bigfoot. I'm not looking at big cats up in the trees or anything. Uh, Sasquatch do use trees. They do climb trees and they do place things up in trees, and they do it to to, to keep it away from other predators that are less apt to to crawl to crawl in the trees, and. Um, so there's a whole lot of stuff that I look at when when I put this in there, but I do it to to provoke thought. I want the the reader, I want the members to consider these things, and um, and so when I when I say uh, Bigfoot uh, like the place things in trees like ornaments and trophies. Um, I mean exactly that. It's advertising who they are and what they do. And um, there's a thing, there's a thing uh, called AOD. AOD is an acronym for Atlanto-Occipital Dislocation. It's a medical term. And what that means is, it means decapitation. It means a neck break that, that virtually severs the, the spine. It could be an animal, it could be a cow, it could be a horse, could be a, a human being, but that's exactly what it is. When you look at these these animals that are found in trees, many of them have profound, significant damage. Uh, uh, more likely than not, they have the customary uh, broken leg, broken uh, right uh, hind leg or left leg or a broken neck and more often than not they have a broken neck this is this is very typical of sasquatch damage <coughs> this is what they do this is how they incapacitate their prey this is this is their calling card this is to let everyone know this is me this is what i do and the more uh, people are into this and the more that they understand 
the more that they can associate those injuries with with Sasquatch and less with with big cats. Um, so that is the story behind. Uh, yeah, because a, a cat will a cat will puncture or compress the uh, the airway. Yeah until they uh, render them mm-hmm. unconscious or suffocated mm-hmm. and then they'll eat. But, you know, I, I suppose, you know, a, a crocodile or whatever could generate enough force in a, in a death roll to, to snap a neck. Um, but we don't have crocs up here, uh, <laughs> you know? So, you know, when you're talking about having a, a severed spine or a complete break in a, uh, in a, in a very athletic animal, um, one of their legs being broken well, fortunate. um that's a that that's a tremendous amount of force mm-hmm. to be applied fortunate for us we don't have alligators walking around and bipedally <laughs> you know in the woods and stuff but um there are oh that might be just that might just be a new cryptid alligator well, man well you haven't you haven't gotten to the tracks yet <laughs> and um, no i have not gotten there to are tracks yet. there are some and i've mentioned this before there are some strange, very strange aspects to Bigfootery that that I'm less likely to talk about and even mention because it is it's it's difficult to grasp. But uh, there are plenty of uh, three-toed uh, mm-hmm. tracks out there found, and and I know a little bit about my own foot to know that we have over a hundred bones in our foot and each one of those bones perform, perform a function that enable us to, to balance ourselves and walk and run. But to, to consider, uh, something very, very heavy walking around with three toes. It's pretty hard to grasp Eric. It really is. It is. But the way the toes are placed in those three toes, three-toed tracks mm-hmm. is very similar to what you see in um, fossilized dinosaur exactly. footprints. Mm-hmm. And those supported a tremendous amount yes. of weight. Yes, they did. Yes. So, like I said, there's a lot There's a lot of stuff involved in this that uh, raises a lot, of, a lot of different questions and stuff. But, uh, well, we could go down that rabbit hole for another two oh, hours, sure. but let's let let's move on to uh, let's move on to uh, something that is is kind of relevant to a, an upcoming episode I have mm-hmm. as far as missing missing livestock, oh. and I'm not necessarily talking cows mm-hmm. or, or or large pigs or anything mm-hmm. like that. I'm talking more about things that have to be removed from a cage mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, seemingly locked back mm-hmm. up. What uh, what what do you what's your database say about well, that? Well, is that a, a common? Yeah, there's a lot of common factors in that, and uh, right now, um, I am looking at. I'm going to close out a database here. I'm going to close out the Michigan database uh, momentarily, and um, I have a database. I call it the um, the National U.S. Bigfoot Reference Book, and Eric, this has this has about, I would say it has about uh, 138 data points. So, for my discussion, for my interview here, the data points in this particular 
reference book. It's like an encyclopedia of, of different topics. If you could, and if I could, Eric, I'll, I'll run through this real quickly. What Please the, do. the titles of these different topics to give people the idea where I'm coming from. Uh, if they visit my group site, uh, and they understand that I'm not an expert, this, you know, this comes from data mining research and reading, but, but the index to this, uh, reference book starts out with a banded house. It could be an abandoned barn, could be a banded cabin, but it's a banded house abducted, attempted abducted, uh, abductions, all fours, meaning any report of uh, Sasquatch on all fours, uh, attracted by noise, attacks, baiting, gifting, behavior, Bigfoot clawing, Bigfoot female, Bigfoot male, Bigfoot nighttime. These are all different uh, aspects of reports. Uh, Bigfoot nest, Bigfoot poop, um, Bigfoot regional names. This is pretty interesting because... In any area across the United States, even uh, Canada, uh, the locals have their own name for a Bigfoot. And that's important to know because uh, it's like speaking another language. If you're not familiar with these names that locals knows, that locals use, you won't know what they're talking about. Right. Yeah. So uh, Bigfoot in the area, Bigfoot and cats, there is there is uh, some... some um, uh, correlation between Bigfoots and Bigfoot large cats, meaning cougars, panthers, whatever. You know, I'm not dismissing any of that. Uh, there are some strange aspects to that, but we'll, we can talk about that. What, what, do you, what, do you, what are you getting at there as far as them working in conjunction with each yes. other? Or? Uh, pets. Uh, there's, 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 a, there's a report that I remember right now of, um, well, it was a report of a farmer who, who had been annoyed and pestered by uh, his chickens being uh, stolen and eaten and, and what have you. A farmer comes out and sees uh, two or three uh, uh, cougars right there. And, you know, he grabs his gun and he's going to shoot them. He's going to take care of them right there. Then a uh, Sasquatch steps in front of them and, and screams at the farmer as though in your mind's eye, you know, you're, you're, you're stepping in front of your friend and saying, uh, you know, telling them, don't shoot this person. Don't shoot them. Hmm. To me, that's strange. I, I you know. Yeah, that is strange. And that kind of, it kind of takes me back to uh, one of my other guests previously who um, actually had sense enough to take the pictures it was on the uh, beaches in front of sugarloaf mountain up in the upper up and uh, there was a very long long strided track uh trackway on the beach it was a very narrow foot her husband put her put his foot into the the actual uh imprint in the sand and it was uh, about two two and a half big toes longer than his foot he wore a size 12 um it was narrow though it was narrow like his so but he tried to he tried to make the stride that it was uh, to the next step and was unable to do it at six foot two 
which I thought was odd, but the, the most, the weirdest thing about it was that they had talked to a, uh, a park ranger who had been down there on the beach with them and confirmed that the tracks that were alongside that very long foot were some of the largest gray wolf tracks that this, this park ranger had ever seen. I've heard of other reports where they're seen in similar situations in conjunction with a, a, a rather large wolf. I, I have as well. I've, I've seen reports of, um, by witnesses who see a uh, Sasquatch in an open field and some distance away, they notice a, a uh, almost a herd of wild dogs or wolves and they watch the large Sasquatch walk to them and they, they watch the animals uh, walk around the Sasquatch as though they knew each other. You know how dogs are. They, 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 uh, mm-hmm. they wag their tail and they just bounce around, not in aggression, but, but in welcoming. And that's what re- witnesses uh, report now. And that's so strange because they're typically known for disliking domesticated dogs mm-hmm. immensely. But on the other hand, there's always, there's always the opposite to this. Um, and that is, that is, I have a, um, a, uh, data, a data point down here towards the end. And it is, uh, dealing with wolves and bears. Now, I can show you uh, a half dozen or a dozen uh, reports where <clears throat> where uh, Sasquatch has absolutely devastated and destroyed wolves and uh, bears so quick. In one particular um, report, it said that the wolves were killed with the, with the, with the snarl frozen on their face, so quick, broken necks, and uh, hung upside down the whole bit. That's pretty quick. Yeah. That is that is a, uh, and that brings me back to, to memories in my professional life in some serious, serious car accidents where, where you know, you see people that have expired with, with fear on their face. And it's, it's, it's a, it's an awesome sight. It's a, it's a creepy thing, but you know, it's, it's something that you see. And then when you read reports like this, it resonates with, with some of the stuff you see. So back to this list, uh, we go to, uh, Bigfoot and area. These are all different, different, uh, topic subjects. Bone stacks, bridges, burial sites, campsite, Bigfoot incidents, uh, torn up campsites, captured BF. You know, people say, uh, I've never seen a body. No one's ever captured a, a Bigfoot. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like the cowboys, <laughs> the cowboys in another time, in another place in history, were very successful at capturing these. And, and in some cases, even took a couple of them to jail. And uh, as, as humorous as that, as that site would be, uh, they had to release it because 
number one, it stunk the place up. The other prisoners uh, threatened to riot the place because, you know, because, you know, the grunting, the howling, the screaming, the stink. And, um, but that's part of, that's part of the, the uniqueness of this reference book here that I have. Uh, crawling, crouching, damaged property, danger, dead Bigfoots, uh, denying existence, dogmans in there, dumpster diving, eyes, Bigfoot eyes, fighting with Bigfoot, fire, fleeing Bigfoot, footfalls, footprints, forced entry, found in trees, frightened gestures, going bathroom, going to bathroom, good Samaritan, acts of good Samaritan, um, gunfire, hair sample, headless, decapitated, uh, mainly animals, uh, hiding, house pounding, hunting, infrasound, inner city, suburban, Bigfoot reports, um, occupation, education. This is, uh, witnesses. This is a, this is pretty interesting because there's, there's over a thousand, uh, descriptions of, of witnesses of all levels of education, of all, of all, um, economic status that you can imagine there's judges there's there's surgeons there's lawyers there's uh real estate brokers um thieves common thieves uh poachers those are all witnesses besides the usual mom and pop students um professors there's roof climbing, seasonal behavior, schools, churches, hospitals. That's interesting because uh, Bigfoots and Sasquatches have this affinity uh, and curiosity about kids. And a lot of times they're sighted around schools. Do you think that's a nefarious thing? Do you think they have ill intent towards children? Or do you think it's because they recognize uh, the, the same uh, attributes that are in their children? Well, my friend, I look at it like this. Uh, you, t- you you look at these YouTube videos of, of people at zoos. They're behind the thick protective uh, uh, plexiglass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like it. Gives me chills when I see uh, them placing these these small children up to the fence, up to the glass, and allow. Oh yeah, where there's yeah. a an 800 pound silverback yeah. gorilla on the other side that could break or through. A t- yeah, or a <laughs> tiger. I don't like that either. You know, a tiger. You know, wants to bite and, and claw at the, at the child and somehow somehow in the mind of some of these parents they giggle and laugh because it's it's thrilling to them it, it isn't to me uh, mm-hmm. I know full well and everybody should know what happens if 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 there was no glass there was if there was no protective uh, shield there so when we talk about schools uh, it, it gives me the creeps I don't like it uh, there is a there is a large uh, a large group of reports of um, Sasquatch watching kids, and 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 I'm familiar with, and, and so is everybody else familiar with the number of missing kids. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't put anything, I don't put anything past these things, and I don't take anything for granted, and so. 
These things have an affinity for schools, churches, hospitals, and playgrounds. And they, you know, oftentimes it deals with sick people or kids. So you make your, you draw your own conclusion from that. And I don't know that it has anything to do with it, but that those are the the weaker of of society. Our society. Mm-hmm. So uh, skeleton and skeleton uh, um, parts of that database: skiing, sleeping, snipping, social behavior, speaking. That's that's pretty uh, interesting there. Uh, speaking to Bigfoot, speed and strength, stargazing. Uh, Bigfoots have a an affinity for uh, stargazing, uh, looking up at the sky. Yes, really? they do. Yeah, that's a lot of a lot of reports happen when uh, you're out there with your with your uh, your other half in love. You know how romantic in the middle of nowhere. You're you're up looking at the stars, talking love. You smell something stinky. You have this feeling that something is close by, and then you know you're surprised and shocked that there's a, a beast next to you. You're doing the same thing. You're looking up there. They like uh, they like, and they're attracted to fireworks, and they'll bring the whole clan to watch the fireworks. You know, if they're in the area, uh, stalking, stick formation, stolen food, stolen property, storms and disasters. Sasquatches are, are often sighted many times during hurricanes, floods, uh, earthquakes, tsunamis, uh, wildfires. Uh, you name it, they're there. And so they're actually attracted to fires? Well, they're not. They're, they're moving out of the area. Moving yeah, out of the they're area. They're moving okay. out, and they don't care if they walk in front of someone's picture window. You know, that's the least of their worries. You you look at it like this. You remember that old movie, Wizard of Oz, the Scarecrow? There's one thing that terrified the Scarecrow that, that really, I mean, it really didn't bother the other people, and that was fire. Yeah. You don't want you don't want something that's 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 got all that hair to catch fire. It's like a scarecrow. So they know better than anybody else. You know they got to move and they got to move quick. And they don't care who sees them. You just hit on something that kind of pierced me through the brain. And it's something that I've not heard much of, if any, that I can remember. Do they use fire? Uh, from what I understand, they do. And they're very familiar with it. They, they know that it's, really? uh, there's, a, there's a report that I recall. Uh, I think it came from California or Washington. And it was uh, made by some prospectors who sat and watched um, some, some Sasquatch in their campsite. And they said that, that it was a um, obviously a mother and a small child Sasquatch. And um, what, they, what they noted on, in the report was that the mother with the child was watching the child um, pick up a stick with 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 flame and embers on him, and slap the baby's hand, and made a made a gesture like a mother would to a child playing with fire. And they, in their report, they mentioned that it was like 
it was like watching a mother, a human mother, with a with a child, showing a child that you know that can harm you. Don't play with that. And she she even grimaced for the baby. You know, you've touched that fire, and it's going to hurt. That's so interesting because I honestly I for as long as I've been into looking into this subject. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever come across a uh, um, somebody's experience where uh, they've they've touched on the fact that there's been fire involved, like from the standpoint of the Sasquatch. Usually. Well, I would suggest that you contact Janice Carter. Uh, she's she's uh, pretty familiar with that, and if you're familiar mm-hmm. with some of the writings from Bobby Short, um, yes. she'll yeah. talk about that as well. There's a there's a uh, old uh, story that Bobby talks about when uh, Sasquatch would kidnap a, a young Indian woman, put, uh, put uh, sap gum over her eyes, over eyes. so, so yeah. as to temporarily blind her, carry her off into a cave. And I suppose, you know, uh, that was going to be his wife, you know, to make babies. Yeah. And um, the woman was very uh, good, good about uh, memorizing some of the things that she learned, some of the things that she's seen. And one of the things that I think she mentioned when she made it back to her village after a year or so uh, was that um, Bigfoots do indeed uh, use fire. And they used they use it to smoke their their salmon, to hold them over in the winter times. Um, yeah, so a lot of times when you when you talk about the caves and stuff, a lot of people that go into these caves, they'll uh, find uh, evidence of of fire and stuff. Um, a lot of things that I think Sasquatch do, Eric as far as uh, eating and preparing food and stuff like that is learned by them, I think, from watching Native American Indians. Yeah. And, and you know, some of the, some of the uh, stuff inside the cave, although they ate raw food and raw meat, uh, I think the woman said that, you know, they use, they use uh, hide, like deer hide, wolf hide, and stuff the same way that we do for the same reasons, you know, to keep them warm, to, to, to make uh, sleeping areas. And so the fact that they prepared and she was a little surprised that, that they did that because here's a, a native American Indian woman that says, you know, Hey, they did the same thing that we did exactly for the same reason. You know, they smoke the food, yeah. they prepare the hides, they dry them out. And, uh, yeah, and that, and that, and that makes me wonder is, is that something that's a learned behavior for that they got from watching the native Americans do it? Or is that something that inherently came to them? And that's going to lead me into my next question to you. I know we're getting, we're a little over an hour here, but I still got a couple of things that I'm, I'm really interested to hear mm-hmm. from you. And I guess, I guess that would be is, um, kind of on, on the lines of that. What's out of your database? What's the, the one thing? that that you have seen repeatedly that is one piece of the puzzle 
that best illustrates, at least to you, their their intelligence and their, and their ability to premeditate their actions? Well, somewhere in that database, I have a report of, of Bigfoot speaking. And again, uh, with disregard of what people think about woo and not woo, um, I, I recount this this incident that occurred on the East Coast, probably, I want to say, uh, Vermont, or maybe, maybe Maine or New Hampshire, Connecticut, someplace around there. And, and the report goes something like this. In a time before, before um, uh, motorized vehicles, um, uh, some men uh, working on a farm or something, brothers, I think they were brothers, um, I think there was three of them together, went into some town, you know, to drink, eat, and whatever they were doing. But at night they came back, and they had to walk through the the uh, fields and the and the wooded areas. And when they did, uh, one brother said that they were shocked because this large uh, eight nine foot gorilla, hairy gorilla, was standing there at the edge of the tree line. And according to this report. The gorilla, the Bigfoot, asked the man, how far is it to such and such town? And the two brothers were were shocked and frightened about this. I mean, I guess I I could understand that. But the third brother told him, well, you got to walk. It's it's, uh, five miles, ten miles that way. And, And that was it. And it walked off. And they headed on back to their town. To me, I mean, when you see this kind of stuff, uh, you know, you can either you you can either dismiss it or or not. But I also know another report similar to this, where uh, for some reason, um, some reason. Uh, the farmers and neighbors were were after a Bigfoot, and uh, they used pitchforks and, and and machetes and and whatever else they had rifles, muskets, whatever they had. And one guy goes into the barn and sees a Sasquatch wearing uh, wearing picture this pantaloons, raggedy pantaloons, ill fitting. He was too big. He was too big, too large for the pantalones. But the 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 thing had sh- uh, shackles on him, like like somebody had captured it and put it in shackles in chains. And the thing allegedly asked asked the uh, would be captor, you know, is this the king's territory? Is this you know is is though. As though this this being was familiar with uh, the British rule, the British soldiers and stuff, and this, the man, the man that uh, encountered this in the barn, 
I guess he dropped his lantern and stuff and, and fled because, you know, he's not used to people talking to him like that and, and yeah. seeing a, a sight like that. So when I see this kind of stuff, and, and this stuff gets all put together, Eric, I have to wonder, and there's more. There's a, there's a lot more stranger things that go along with this. I have to wonder if, uh, yeah, there's 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 a lot to intelligence here. Um, a lot. Of, that that's so bizarre. It is. It is very bizarre. <laughs> um, it you know, I just took a report just recently, and I mentioned this to you earlier uh, in the show about uh, most recent reports and stuff. I got a report. Mm-hmm. Out of Jackson County, where a man and his wife, they, you know, they got free uh, roaming chickens on their property, and they've been pestered and, and annoyed all summer by a fox who has been eating his his chickens. And uh, occasionally, he gifts. He's he, he's got Sasquatch in the area. I know that for a fact. I've been out to his place before, and he, it doesn't bother them. It doesn't bother him. He knows they're around. He hunts on his property. They don't bother him. He doesn't bother them. And so uh, one day this summer, within the last couple of weeks, him and his wife are standing out there in in his property, and all of a sudden he says a, a huge rock comes flying out of the trees. He says, I see, I hear the the thing flying through the leaves, he says, I even see leaves dropping, and all of a sudden, this, this heavy rock falls with a thud on the ground right there, not far from me and my wife. And he says, the strange thing about this is the rock falls close to an area where you walk over and look at the rock, and you see the dead fox. And it was almost, I, I would take this as, hey, this is what I did for you. Can you leave us a little bit of food or give us some eggs or something? Yeah. To me, that was pretty significant. And uh, I was glad that he shared that with me. So uh, I take that as intelligence. And um, I'm not here to, to push the point that, uh, you know, Bigfoots are all vicious and violent and all that kind of stuff because they are sometimes. But they also have an uncanny uh, side of them that leads me to believe that they they do communicate with, with people, some people, obviously, and some people they don't. And those that they do, um, they have to, you know, people have to, uh, uh, you know, pay the price. They have to pay the freight. If, if they do something good for you, they're not doing it because they love you. They're doing it because you're going to give them something. And if you stop right. giving them something, they'll let you know that too. So um, I see that a lot, you know, in these reports. So the guy gives them some food, gives them some scraps. They're happy with that. But um, And that kind of goes back to something we touched on in the first episode, where if that individual who decided to give them something mm-hmm. decides to move away from that property and somebody who moves in who is completely unaware of what was going on on that property, 
the Bigfoot typically might recognize that it's not the same people, but are not going to recognize the fact that the deal has changed and they're going to still want their, their compensation. Yes. They're still going to want their food being left out or their jar of peanut butter or, you know, whatever it is. And, uh, and the, the new people that live there are going to be like, what the hell is going on here? I think that, I think that happens a lot. I've seen reports where, where, uh, families say, well, you know, we're familiar with these, these things around us. They don't bother us. Uh, we tell them to stay away from our house, stay away from the kids, stay with, leave my dog alone. They do that. They respect that. And, and the family is like, as long as they respect my property and you know, my, my, my kids, my family and stuff, you know, we don't want to bother them and, and they don't bother us and we don't want people bothering them either. But, uh, on the other hand, um, if a, if, if a friend, uh, or a relative comes over, they get the business, they get the growls, they get the, uh, it's almost like, it's almost like your, your pet dog. Uh, you know how your dog is. If, if the dog doesn't know somebody, they don't know sure. if that's a yeah. friend. They don't know if it's a foe. Uh, but they're going to they're gonna be very pro- uh, protective of that territory, that property. And, and I hear that, and I see that quite a bit in reports. Um, to that end, uh, there are a few reports. Uh, here, I'm going to share this with you real quick because I... I, I uh, categorize that as a good Samaritan, but here's a, here's another example of intelligence and loyalty that will leave you shaking your head. There's a, there's a uh, report out there. I think it might be California, but, uh, this individual living in an area where, where a lot of, uh, uh, marijuana is grown and harvested, uh, was threatened by some, some growers who were encroaching on his property. And, and I guess the man said that, you know, he was threatened with guns and stuff and, and intimidated, but he, the, the, the lone man never bothered anybody, but he was familiar with Sasquatch and, and Bigfoot around the area. And he was one that, that was into gifting and, in uh, and providing food and stuff, whatever he could. And he developed a uh, relationship with them. And so one day, he says, uh, he was visited by uh, these these men on this ATV, or several a- ATVs with weapons. And just when things started to get bad, he says, all of a sudden, there was a, there was a, there was a howl, a blood-curling howl. And this Sasquatch stepped out of the tree line. And these these uh, these men on this ATV on these ATVs seen that with weapons, seen that, and they scooted out of there and never came back, never bothered the man again. But to me, that's intelligence. That is intelligence. Oh, hundred percent, yeah. But why the loyalty to the because uh, the, to the human the, the uh, the, because that was a source yeah, of yeah. Of, the of guy was developed a friendship, uh, a relationship with them, fed them, trusted them, and and was and was loyal to them. And uh, the I 
guess from what I what I interpret is the Sasquatch uh, understood the fear, the intimidation, the threat, and uh, it wasn't going to have any part of that. You know, leave my friends alone. Yeah. Leave my friend alone. I guess what the message was. Yeah. But uh, it's it's uh, pretty interesting. So. So I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you one more thing. We're coming up on a on about ninety minutes, and uh, so with with all of your data points, and and I, I guess I'm speaking specifically to Michigan. Do do these reports indicate to you specific hot spots? Not not that I'm interested in in going to these areas or, or, you know, trying to interact with these things. But are there, you know, I, I guess based on the analytics of my show, um, I'm, I'm heard in 20 different countries, uh, all of the states of the U.S. except Hawaii, and uh, pretty much throughout Canada. But by and large, California and Michigan are my two largest percentages of listening by state really it was california was was in the lead for uh several months and michigan was a a close second but michigan has taken over california now i don't understand (laughs) california at all i don't understand that at all um other than maybe it's just the topics that i cover i get michigan because i think um since I started very close to Michigan and, and some of my original listener base came from Michigan, that makes sense to me. But the fact that a lot of my listeners live in Michigan, can we pinpoint through your data collection some some areas that are perennial hotspots? I can tell you I can tell you what days of the week uh, these things are mostly cited. I can tell you the hours of the day. I can tell you what seasons of the month of the year. I can tell you what years uh, that uh, there has been most most sightings. And to that end, um, I can tell you the counties that that uh, seems to point to me for me. Uh, where they come in from and where they disperse from or where they disperse. It's like an egress and ingress. They come in and mm-hmm. they leave if they do. But there's there's a large number that stay behind like residents all year round. And these are the uh, sightings that people might see in February and January. But, um, yeah, I would say I would say Jackson County is a big one. And uh, movement in and out of, of Jackson County is big. Um, uh, Ogemaw County is another big one. Up uh, further up north, above the Thumb area, uh, Manistee and Calcaska uh, are, are biggies. Benzie is another one on the uh, upper west side. And uh, 
Uh, I read something one time that said that uh, by an expert that uh, up north, Michigan, Upper Peninsula, uh, <clears throat> that was the uh, area up there that uh, most Sasquatch reports have, are taken. And for the life of me, that I shake my head when I read this because, first of all, uh, you have to talk about you have to talk about and understand uh, where the population is. It's not up north. It's it's lower, you know, lower Michigan. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a population in the state of 10 million people. You talk about 10 million people. Uh, everybody, most people have two eyes. So, therefore, you're talking about uh, 20, 20 million eyes. Um, most of the traffic is, is uh, lower Michigan. We're a highly mobilized, motorized uh, society. Uh, a lot of reports occur by motorists. Motorists make up a lot of reports moving from one point to another. and um, Which is another reason why people should adopt what uh, many Russians do and, and put the dash cams oh, in their cars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I've, I've said this many times on, on the group site. You know, if you want to... If you want to see, uh, if you want to increase the chances of seeing a, a Sasquatch, you know, put a camera in your car and, yeah. and drive those roads, drive those roads, those those remote uh, side roads uh, at, at certain times of the evening, certain times of the morning, in certain areas around, especially around the railroad tracks, the power lines, um, the lakes the swamp areas and, and chances are you'll, you'll see something there because that's where they're happening. Um, so basically those, those areas are, are, uh, pretty big areas. I mean, those are pretty big counties. Um, Monroe County is another one that's, that's really Southeast Michigan, uh, from Ohio. That's close to Ohio. Jackson's closer probably to Indiana. There's a lot of reports in Indiana. Indiana is a, a big state for, for Sasquatch reports, considering that Indiana is, is uh, largely agricultural. And, um, but um, Illinois, you know, uh, these things travel up and down the Mississippi River just like people used to. And uh, that takes you up to Minnesota and up to Canada and uh, a lot of traffic, a lot of traffic back and forth. So that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good uh, area right there. Uh, I think I was talking to you about Cass County. Cass yes. County is, is probably borders uh, Illinois and Indiana too. And, um, largely swamp area but um and plus uh it's it's from what i've seen cass county very beautiful eric a lot of a lot of orchard yes, uh, lovely orchard uh, industry there more apples than i've ever seen in my life I had no <laughs> idea but uh that's all you know apples if you got apples on a on a farm you're close to uh, swamp and you're close to rivers and stuff. You're going to see Sasquatch. So 
what I do is is I look at I look at dates, times, and locations. Dates, times, and locations. That's years, months, days, and hours. And I try to find the the patterns in these. Sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. And after reading and analyzing hundreds and thousands of these reports, well, I realized that that a lot of these a lot of these encounters and sightings occur when people are doing or involved in, in particular activities. So, for instance, um, the six common activities that people are involved in when they report sightings and, and encounters are camping, farming, hiking, hunting, motorist or driving vehicles, and residential. Those are the six primary sets that I use in my uh, uh, timeline, and I might have 138 data points. And so for each one of those six groupings that I use, those primary groupings I use, there are several subset groups that are involved here also, such as, for instance, boating, fishing, ATV operating, skiing, skating, uh, horseback riding. These were all subgroups under those six primary groups. Mm-hmm. And each one of those groups, they're, they're called data points. They have uh, very, very many, uh, quite a few uh, reports involved in those also. So whatever a person is involved in, such as uh, operating an ATV, there are a lot of reports involved in that. I mean, these things are attracted to sound. If you're on an ATV in the woods and they're around, they're going to come look, and you're going to see them. If you're if you're if you're observing, you're going to see them watching you. If you're out there cutting wood with a chainsaw, they can hear that. They're going to come look. There's a report of a man cutting firewood in the woods. Uh, minding his business like me, minding my business, not really looking around for any Bigfoot, but he happens to notice a Bigfoot standing there watching him. And he takes the chainsaw, and that's how he fends off the that's how, <laughs> that's how he fends off the Sasquatch with a chainsaw until until he gets to his truck, of course. So it's it's a very interesting. Uh, Endeavor, and um, there's a lot of there's a lot of anecdotal um, reports. Some are funny, some are humorous. You've got reports of for a long time our Native Indian uh, brothers have have told us over and over again that Sasquatch has a has a uh, a very Profane, very obscene sense of humor, and and in some of the reports that I read and studied and analyzed, I can tell you that is true. A can very you, can you give me a, can you give humor. me an example of that? Yes, uh, for example, there's a report of uh, a family uh, being bothered a farm. It's a farming setting. 
they're being bothered by uh, house poundings, three o'clock in the morning screams, uh, rocks thrown at the house. Um, they had a they had a a big mean dog chained up outside on the chain, you know, by the door for uh, wayward intruders. Well, one morning they go out to feed their dog, and uh, and nobody can get near this dog. But the dogs are a um, are a um, they're a pain in the side for Sasquatches. Sasquatches will take care of dogs quite mm-hmm. easily, and, and most of the time, quite uh, quite viciously. But in this in this situation, they went out to, to uh, feed the dog, and the dog was gone. The leash was tied up on the tree with the um, the long uh, the long uh, leash that they had on the dog. The chain on the dog was there, hanging from the tree with the leash, with the collar, but the dog was gone. Gone. Mm-hmm. No sign of him. No sight. Gone. There's another, there's another case where uh, a man living like a recluse uh, knows that he's got Sasquatch around. He's, he's quite familiar with them. He's a hunter. He doesn't bother anybody. He hunts. Uh, but he is being annoyed with them, throwing things at his cabin, screaming at him. He's got an annoying dog. He loves the dog. It's just the man, this dog. He's, otherwise, he's a recluse. One day he goes out to the woods, and um, the dog is with him, and he hears the dog yelp, and he doesn't see the dog come out of the woods. He goes out to the woods, screams at the at the uh, Bigfoot, tells the Bigfoot, you know, give me back my dog. Give me, he's not asking, he's telling, mm-hmm. give me back my dog. This goes on for a little bit, and, and uh, that same day, and then at some point, the dog comes running out of the uh, out of the woods, stinking. Uh, the dog was okay. So there is another time. You when, said you, when, s- you said the dog was stinking, like stinking, from- stinking like 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 a uh, uh, Bigfoot smell. Okay. I wasn't sure if the Bigfoot had smeared something on it or, or if it was no, just from the, no. the body. It's, it's just the stink that, that, that they have about their person, mm-hmm. about their body. And there's other, there's other instances, Eric, where, where the same thing. The families are bothered, harassed, annoyed, and uh, they might even engage in window peeping, scaring the daylights out of people, you know, with a, with a, huge gorilla face looking at you in the morning when you don't expect it. The man of the house goes outside and the first thing that he steps in are turds about the size. He says about the size of a 16 ounce can of, can of poke, uh, pop. Yeah. Right out, right in front of the door. It was, it was placed right there in front of the door. So when he steps out the door, that's the first thing that he steps in. Another case of that obscene humor is a hunter who hunts and brings home the uh, venison who also 
has 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 uh, documented um, uh, Bigfoot uh, activity around his place. Comes out to uh, to get his jacket that he's got hanging up on the clothesline outside, and um, when he goes out to to get his coat to put it on, it's stinking, and and something came along and urinated on his coat. And he had to throw it away at that point because he can't use it again. Uh, this happens quite a bit. That was a, that was going to be one of the uh, the points that I wanted to ask you about was um, the urination. Is that you know you don't hear about it a lot. You know if you mm-hmm. listen to Sasquatch Chronicles or any of these other um, shows that highlight reported uh, experiences by by eyewitnesses and. Uh, encounters you you hear about it but it's not something that's very prevalent and you know what i was hoping from you and i I told you this before we started recording was i was hoping you would be able to give me some uh give our listeners some some prevalent experiences that aren't necessarily the oh i heard wood knocks oh i heard an (laughs) owl hooting and it didn't sound right oh it was a whoop you know those are those are things that people are so commonly hearing and mm-hmm. not to take anything away from them, they're all valid. But mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. I want from you is, you know, some some lesser known but still prevalent throughout your data uh, mm-hmm. attributes that you're you're noticing from these things is, mm-hmm. you know, and I and I bring up the urine because, as I was telling you before we started recording in my episode two, that was uh, that was brought up by the daughter in that episode that. There was a, a very large stream of urine, and when the dad walked up to the tree, it mm-hmm. started at about his eye level, and he was five foot nine. And it was so fresh that there was still foam mm-hmm. in the urine. As a guy, as a guy, we would be familiar with that. Yeah, <laughs> but let me tell you this: um, that happens quite often. And to me, I take it as the ultimate, uh, identifier of, of Bigfoot and Sasquatches. And they do this, I believe, in my opinion, they do this as a, uh, illustration of their, uh, dominance over human people. And, this happens a lot with campers, and there's many, many reports of of, uh, of uh, people with their encounters that report um, they're in the tent and they hear a bull urinating on their tent, and and the the urine is so potent that you have to discard <clears throat> you have to discard the the material. Because you can't get the stink out of it, it's a very potent odor. Well, and I, I, I have a I have a little bit of a experience with that, not with Bigfoot mm-hmm. urine, but when mm-hmm. my son was uh, still small enough that we were pushing him around in a in a baby stroller, we went to a small local zoo here in South Bend, Indiana, and uh, we were standing outside the tiger cage, and the tiger was coming towards our direction. So it was like, you know, I'm telling my son who 
doesn't understand a word I'm saying. It's like, oh, hey, buddy, look at the tiger. Look at the tiger. And uh, that tiger walked up, looked at us. My my wife at the time and my and my son with the stroller, they were a couple of feet to my right. That tiger turned with its ass towards me. And the next thing I knew, I was dripping with whatever that is that they spray out of their mm-hmm. their backside. Mm-hmm. And I was I was the laughing stock of the zoo. Anybody that was in that area just was <laughs> laughing their, their damn heads off. And I was dripping wet. And mm-hmm. I'm not kidding you. It stunk so mm-hmm. badly that I had to discard everything that I was wearing. I literally, when we got into the parking lot, I literally took my shorts, my shoes, my shirt, everything off. I drove home in my underwear, and we just we threw everything in the trash can. It was it, so, you know, as far as a wild animal is concerned, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that, that was terrible. <laughs> it the really ultimate was. dominance, yeah. So uh, they they do this. They'll they'll uh, defecate right there at the uh, at the entrance of a tent. So when the people come out of the tent, guess what? They step right in that, and that's very bad. That's it's uh, like like you've mentioned earlier. It's it's very potent, very uh, powerful, and um, they do this time and time again. They'll even take and. Uh, throw uh, feces at cars and vehicles if they're unhappy it's almost like it's almost like juvenile stuff but, yeah. but this is what they do and and this has been this is, has been, this has been known by by native americans you know early native americans they've known this for a long time and so there's there's a uh, there's a part in one of those four one one books that I'll never forget, and and it reminds me of Sasquatch behavior, and that's where they're looking for this little boy. The little boy has a dog. His dog and and the little boy are missing, but they they never find the little boy, but they find the dog. Inside a inside of a cistern, you know, one of those old cisterns mm-hmm. in in the country where where you have to lift up the crypt, lift up the top, and and put the uh, hose down there and, and and vacuum that stuff out, yeah, the sewer out. Well, that's where they found the dog. The question is, how did the dog get in there, and who was strong enough to lift that concrete uh, lid cap yeah. up? And put the dog in there, and then put the cat back on it. So uh, there's there's things like this. There's a there's a case where uh, an individual, I think he was a sheep herder, or somebody out out west. Uh, they found his his his. Uh, they found him missing. They found his tack, his leather tack. If, if you're familiar with horseback riding, there's very very thick very uh, sturdy leather tack that was ripped to shreds 
and they found this man uh, dead with sand packed in his mouth. Sand? Sand packed in his mouth. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff like this that are that are puzzles that that uh, that are unexplained, but it sure has the uh, the markings, you know, of of Sasquatch. It really does. Can I ask, as far as your database is concerned, and acts of violence like um, actual deaths? due to an encounter well there's 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 certainly uh some that reported but uh you know a lot of times the skeptics the skeptics would say uh well for instance there's been several people on my group site that have said the same thing well there's no there's no modern report of there's no evidence there's no reports of of a single human being ever being injured or killed by a, by a Bigfoot Sasquatch. That might be true in somebody's storybook, but uh, somewhere along the line, they're missing reality because, and they haven't, they haven't done a lot of research. They haven't done a lot of study on the topic because that's simply not the case. There are reports when they uh, talk about that stuff they're threatened, they're intimidated, and uh, the one that I think of comes to mind right now, there's there's several, but the one that comes to mind right now is that gentleman from Texas, from the Hams, uh, Sam Houston uh, Forest, who came upon a uh, torn up campsite. He filmed it, and uh, he, he claims that, that there were there was uh, people wrapped around a tree, one hanging in a tree. Oh Jesus! The site was all the campsite was all torn to pieces. There were there were tracks and prints all over the soil, and then uh, he was visited, and he and he has since uh, out of the business. He doesn't talk about it anymore. His his YouTube's were taken down. He claims they were hacked. They were taken down, and uh, and he won't talk about it, and he doesn't want his name mentioned anymore. So there's there's cases like that. Tim Baker, Tim Kumbo uh, Baker, very good guy. He's he's a guy that came from NASA, an engineer, and uh, he's he's got a wealth of information. He talks about the land between the lakes in, in Kentucky mm-hmm. where there were incidences there where, where they found a whole family destroyed and people were told not to talk about it. You know, so there are a lot of situations like that. I, I definitely can see doing another episode at, uh, at a later date and uh, go into some more of these things, but Again, it's uh, it's been a pleasure, and I appreciate the time you've spent with me. I'm sure our listeners are going to think this is fascinating information. If you would, one time before we uh, we shut it down, let everybody know again the name of your website on Facebook and uh, how they can how they can join 
and get some of this information on a daily basis. Yes, it's uh, if they go to Facebook, if they go on Facebook, they'll see um, they'll see my group site. It's uh, Michigan uh, Data and Reports Gumshoe Guys Corner, and um, they're interested in joining. They can uh, go on uh, go on Facebook and and look for that site. And um, I'd be happy to have them in there. And, and as you mentioned before, I'm 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 a sticker. I'm a stickler about uh, keeping the place clean of uh, profanities, obscenities, mm-hmm. uh, trolls. And uh, one of the things that I that, that I uh, ask of, of the members is, is to be respectful of the other members and stuff and I try to keep a, an environment that encourages participation and discussion and it's a shame that you even have to make that, that comment yeah. to, to people I mean it ought to be the way we do things on a normal basis anyway yeah, so. um, but I encourage everybody go to his site request a, a, a friendship with uh, with this gentleman get involved in his uh, his site there's a lot of great information there's a lot of people posting a lot of great pictures a lot of great uh, content and uh, it, it's it's a valuable resource it really is if you're interested in the subject you're going to learn a lot so Val thank you so much again I, uh, I have enjoyed talking with you and I'm sure we're going to do this again very soon yeah, anytime, Eric. It's been my pleasure. Time well it's Thank been you, time sir. well spent, my friend. Agreed. Thank All you, right. sir. Good night. Good night. I want to hear your story. I want to hear your experience. So email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. Share the show on social media. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All at Uncomfortable Podcast. And until next week, my friends, stay uncomfortable.